Like, hey, cool, you're super successful and you have, you know, big bank account, but, you know, your home life's a wreck and nobody likes you and you have no friends. But great, you know, you've got a nice boat or something. I don't know. Welcome to another week of Funny Business. Today with me, I have Brandon Hayes. Brandon, how are you? Doing excellent. Appreciate you having me. I'm glad to have you here. So uh, for the sake of everyone, tell everybody what the name of your company does and basically what it does. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the founder and CEO of Kalos Consulting. K-A-L-O-S. Love plays and meanings on words. So it's a Greek word that means excellence. And so that was kind of the foundation of what we wanted to build a business on was to just do business with with a a sense of excellence, the way you treat vendors and clients. And so we provide a a very niche service for recruiting and staffing for small and mid-sized companies. We do this by going above and beyond and trying to connect great people with great companies. Okay. So before we get to exactly how you got there, I love learning about our guests' like coming-of-age stories. So where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? So I grew up living in Illinois, uh, unfortunately. Um, I've been exploring this summer all kinds of other amazing places, and I'm realizing that America has a lot more to offer than, than Illinois. I'm an outdoorsman, so I grew up fishing and camping and those kinds of things. Love being outside is where I think I feel most alive. And I think my parents had a passion for travel or moving. So I've lived in Texas, Florida, Arizona, all over the place by the time I was in like fourth grade. So everyone's like, were your parents in the military? I'm like, no, I think they were just thinking that location would find happiness. And I think they realized that obviously it doesn't. And so we ended up in Illinois. So then I I grew up in Illinois. Uh, We had uh, one sister and then uh, played basketball all throughout uh, middle school and high school. How'd you go from that childhood to where you are today. It sounds like it sounds like you learned the lessons right along with your parents that location does not bring happiness, but rather what you do with it. Yeah, great question. So I probably had a very life-altering. My parents got divorced when I was 15. And so that was pretty crushing as a teenager. So I ended, and so uh, by the time I was 18, I moved out on my own. You know, it's funny, I saw this bumper sticker the other day. It said, hurry up, corporate America, hire all the teenagers before they forget everything. Because when you're a teenager, you think you know everything. And then you get in your 20s, you're like, I don't know anything at all about <laughs> my life. And so, um, so, you know, I'm 18. I know everything about everything. No one can tell me anything. So I run an apartment with a couple of guys. I started working at uh, this life insurance company. It was like the sketchiest company ever. We were booking, I was booking interviews for people to come in. And I had this script where I would say, oh, that'll be answered when you come in for an interview. And basically, long story short, they'd show up and it was a group interview to sell commission-only life insurance door-to-door. And so I, but, but all the rebuttals I had on my quote script was like, oh, so they're like, oh, so what's the salary? Oh, well, they'll go over the, you know, the compensation package when you arrive for your interview. You know, can you be there at nine or 11? And so I was constantly like pivoting. And so this is how I, this is the way I thought kind of business was run. And so hence you could see my story leads to naming a company that's about, you know, uh, excellence and integrity in the way you do business. Cause I was totally uh, shammed and I like felt guilty every time I see all these people show up and there's 50 people in the waiting room that I'd booked to show up for selling group life insurance. So I'm on my own, I'm working at this company and I just realized, man, that the hustle of what some people think is the American dream is really not what it's all about, you know? Mm. And I quickly realized everyone's pursuing work-life balance. You know, everybody, every job is like, what's the work-life balance? Every company, it's like their mantra, oh, we have work-life balance. And I'm like, you really only have one life. You don't have a work-life and a home life. It's technically only one life. And so one spills into the other, whether you like it or not. And so if your home life's a wreck, 
you're going to take that into your job and you're going to be, you know, a, a subpar employee. And if your work life is out of balance and you're working 70 hours a week, then you're taking it home to your kids or your family and your home life starts to suffer. And so I started to try to seek balance over kind of the, the hustle and the, you know, American dream of like going after all this stuff and be miserable by the time you're in your 40s. Okay, so let's, let's dive into that for a second. How do you find balance for yourself? What were the things that you felt like were taking over too much that you had to pull back on and things that you wanted to give more emphasis on? Great question. So I, I, it sounds maybe cheesy, but I literally make a pie chart call and I call it the wheel of life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put into the sections, the things that are really important to me and that I'm passionate about. And you start to realize what tends to happen is the things that make you most alive, most vibrant tend to be the tiny little sliver of the pie, you know, and everybody comes and says, Oh, I'd love to get into shape. And I just don't have any time, but you've, you've, you know, you've watched breaking bad or game of Thrones, you know, four times over on Netflix. So it's like you, you're going to put emphasis on the things that are important and value to you. If you get conceptualized, like what is it? And for me, it's, it's all about putting a visual out there. So, mm -hmm. you know, once you start making a pros and cons list, or you use my little cheesy pie chart thing, you start to realize like, Whoa, I'm way out of balance here. Look at all the time I spend on this fruitless things or the things that don't give me life. And I wonder why at the end of the week, I'm dragging myself across the Friday finish line into the weekend. And, and that's because I haven't done anything this week that actually feeds the things that I'm passionate about and make me feel that I'm going to come alive in my day-to-day -day life. So. I like that. I like, I like the idea of doing something every day that helps rejuvenate you so that you don't have to basically self-care bomb yourself over the weekend just to be able to make it through the next week. You find now more than ever, honestly, people are having nervous breakdowns, mental breakdowns. They're realizing from everything that happened, you know, in 2020 and everything going on, that's all outside of your control that the only thing you can control is like, what am I doing with my time? I know I have 24 hours a day, you know, <laughs> you work eight hours a day, you sleep eight hours a day. Yeah. If you're lucky. And then what do you do with your other eight to 10 hours, you know, yeah. and then you, you put that into years, you work 20 years, you know, you sleep 20 years, you know, by the time you're 60, what'd you do with your other 20 years as you start to speed that up? How did you get to this point in your career specifically? And where did you discover your insights for how to create this kind of a company? I got married in September 2014. I came off a banner year. I paid cash for my wedding and honeymoon, was crushing it at this company I was working at. And I realized that I was being asked to like train and manage people. And I just had a total different philosophy from the way that we were doing it. So I went to my then boss and I wasn't as cool as like the Jerry Maguire memo, but it was like kind of my manifesto of like, hey, I think we need to totally scrap how we onboard and train people. Like I just, I want to see people thriving and, and really loving coming to work and delivering an excellent service. And basically I was, I was told like, listen, we've been doing this for 30 years. You know, it's, it's our way or the highway. We're not changing the thing. And so I basically went to the highway I went, had no idea what I was getting myself into. Thank goodness, you know, my wife had already said her vows for better or worse or richer or poorer because I came <laughs> home and I was just like, I think I just quit my job and I'm going to start my own company. And so I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew that I've had this entrepreneurial nature and spirit with, within me, you know, from, I, you know, my generations gone by, my dad runs his own business, my grandfather did. And so I guess it was in me. But it took realizing that like, if you can't innovate or adapt, and you see companies like this all the time, right? You know, Netflix tried to go to Blockbuster to buy them. Like, we're not doing that. You know, we're selling <laughs> VHS cassette tapes at our local Blockbuster. 
and they go out of business. So it's like you have to innovate or adapt. And so everything I was pressing for, giving people the chance to, you know, work remotely some days out of the week. I mean, I was I was talking about this in in 2015 and everybody thought I was crazy that you would allow somebody to do that. Fast forward, these companies are scrambling. They didn't have the technology or the infrastructure to have their team work remotely and a lot of them floundered. So I take it the, the pandemic did not slow you and your team down almost at all. No, uh, it didn't. So obviously we were geared up. So I, I you know, you got to eat your own dog food, if you will. So I trained my team to be able to work remotely. And it's hard. You know what I mean? Because as an owner or a manager, you're constantly in the back of your head, like they're not working, they're doing laundry or, you know, they're, they've got the TV on. And so, but eventually you have to come to a place of like hired adults, I hired professionals. And if I can't trust them to work, then why do I have them on my team? And you might considering like, if I really, you know, what am I going to install nanny cams to watch every person every minute of every day? That's absurd. No. So like, if you can't wrap your mind around the fact that I can't trust this person that they're actually going to work, then I think you need to have a long, hard chat with them about like, are you working for the right company? Because I can't trust you to work at home two days a week or something, you know? So, so we, we had transitioned in 2018 uh, to work remotely. And so by the time 2020 came around, my team was still firing on all cylinders. And, you know, and we helped a lot of companies who were very nervous, you know, staff shortages. And we're in a very candidate short market right now. There's just not a lot of talent to be found. Uh, and a lot of companies who pressed pause in 2020 and now they're trying to catch up, they're, they're struggling. All right. So what were some of your earliest business mistakes? And what did you learn from them? We would need a couple more uh, podcast sessions to go through all my business mistakes. So I think I think probably the one of the mistakes is just assuming that everybody you hire wants to work hard or wants to work, and you don't need to manage people. So I didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't go get a degree in business or or these kinds of things to start. And so I just kind of dove in and been like, I want to deliver excellence, and then I'm gonna. And so I didn't. It's so funny. I recruit and help other people hire people for their team. And then when I started doing it for my own self, I realized like, I don't even have the right process in place. So like, I'm just hiring people on a gut check. And I'm like, this is the worst idea ever. And yeah. like my gut check is causing me so much pain and extra meetings. And I, I just spent six months onboarding someone only to fire them. And so first mistake I made is like, I did not have an internal process for recruiting, interviewing, hiring my own internal staff. You know, I just went on, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I'm super busy. And so, you know, I'll just, I'll talk to this person, couple phone calls. Great. Let's hire them. And once they're in, it's, it's like squatters rights, man. It's hard to get them out and they're integrated. And so you're like ripping this apart to try to get them out, you know, when they're, it's a, you know, and so I think that was one of the the key mistakes. I think the, you know, probably the other mistake I made is just thinking, you know, there's a quote by a guy named Dave Ramsey who says, you know, think of starting a new business, just assume everything's going to take twice as long and cost twice as much than you originally anticipated. And that was me in a nutshell. I mean, I thought I'd be like, man, three to five years, I'm even one of those guys that's just, you know, golfing and, and flying around and doing stuff. And I realized like, man, it it is not for the faint at heart to to start a business or to go from nothing to something. It's amazing. It's super rewarding. I would never go back, but it's it's way more than you think it's gonna be when you first start. Especially now everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just throw up a YouTube channel or, you know what I mean? I'll just start this thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine if you're going to be self-employed. But if you want to grow an organization with people and processes and procedures and systems, it's like, 
you need to hire really smart people around you because you don't know everything. And so, and so everywhere that I was dumb or didn't know, I just hired somebody that was wicked smart in that area and said, Hey, you have ownership over this space. Help me build a back office that handles payroll and stuff like that. So, so kind of leaping off that, that question, if you could go back and talk to your college self, what business advice would you have given yourself back then? In addition to classroom uh, knowledge, which is good, like simultaneously, you need to have some real life experiences or also be attending the school of hard knocks as well. Because I mean, I deal with a lot of recent college grads that it's like, you come out of there and you think like, I'm going to slay the world. I'm going to, you know, I need an $80,000 salary. And then you realize like, when you go get hired at a company, you are like low person on the totem pole and you are a complete liability to a, to a, in a company's eyes. If you're coming fresh out of school, you are complete liability for the first year or two. You know, they don't, they're rolling the dice on you. They have no idea what's going to pan out from here. And it's a ton of investment into somebody. And so I think for me, having a more humble approach that realizing like, I'm not the big cheese. In fact, everybody just sees me as a huge liability until I come in and prove myself. I think I would just be way more humble in realizing like what it is to come into an established organization, come out of school classroom mentality and into the business world or the real world, it's a leap. I mean, and so, so I think that's probably what I tell myself, like stay humble and come in and, and you need to outperform and outdo what your minimum expectations were to really prove and show yourself if you, if you want to grow. All right. So I've been super curious about this. What is your one life philosophy and basically how did it come about? And also how can it benefit most people that are entrepreneurs trying to listen to this podcast today? And yeah, so I, I think the, the first step is um, there's a recovery group that I heard about and the name of the group is called You Gotta Wanna. And basically it's like, we don't even want you unless you actually want this. And I think that, so I think that that's the first step. Like you actually have to want to have a full life. Most people, not most people, some people actually want to bury themselves in work. They don't want to deal with their stuff. They don't want to deal with home life. You know, there's a lot of chaos going around. So it's like, I'm just going to plow through. And I was told this. I mean, I had many people tell me, hey, if you're not going to work 65, 70 hours a week, your business will never make it. That's what it takes to be successful. And personally, I, I'm a family man. I'm passionate about family, raising the next generation. I've got two young daughters. And so I literally told myself, like, I'm not going to sacrifice my family on, on the altar of success or business. Like, I just refuse to do that. Like, hey, cool, you're super successful and you have, you know, a big bank account, but, you know, your home life's a wreck and nobody likes you and you have no friends. But great, you know, you've got a nice boat or something. I don't know. So for me, I think it started with like, I actually want to be healthy and thriving in every area of my life, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, you know, in my business place, I want to win in, in life. And I think that we're as, I think there's an innate nature in people that they, they do want that, but it's like most people just, they, they go down a rabbit trail and like, oh, I'll just win in one area. I'm really good at school. So I'll make sure that I got a degree and then I'll get my master's and then I'll go back and get, you know, and I'll have an MBA and a doctorate. It's like, you've got 17 names after, but it's like, that's the only thing you've done and focused on in your life, you know, mm -hmm. and, and other areas are suffering. So for me, I think the balance is key where it's like, if I went to win, win in all aspects of my life, I have to realize that my one life, each form and facet of that affects the other kind of on that wheel of life. So if it's like if I'm 90% in one area and I've split my other 10% into seven things, you know, I'm going to be suffering other places. And so that's why you find a lot of people, you know, 
you end up where your your health is suffering or your relationships aren't. It's because people get on a one track mind and they just want to churn and burn in that one thing. So I think you gotta actually want. To, most people want to win, but you gotta usually realize like I want to win in a healthy way in in all forms and facets of my life, and that's gonna look different. But it's like, what's important to you? What are the areas of emphasis in your life? And then, man, block scheduling. That's all I could say. Block scheduling, block scheduling, block scheduling. If you do not carve out time for your things, like I have to schedule a date with my wife because if not, we just do life and like we never get any time together. If I want to have time to go to the gym and work out, I literally have to put it on my calendar and schedule it because what happens is you're running the race, you're super busy and that thing come, and you get to the end of it, like, man, I said I was going to work out four times this week and I didn't work out once like, well, I look at my calendar and all my emails are scheduled, my conference calls are scheduled, but I don't have any of my personal stuff on there. So I learned about block scheduling. It's like I carve out, I'll take a half hour and I will leave my phone in my office and I will take a walk outside and I will see the sun and I'll actually carve out, Brandon, you are probably wiped by now, 30 minutes, no technology. And I will walk away from my computer and my phone and I won't bring this stuff with me. And that's me. I like the outdoors. Your 30 minutes might be, I don't know, yoga or call a friend or whatever it is that's your thing. But it's like you need to carve that stuff out throughout your day. And so I think that helps with that balance aspect. I guess my question is this. Concerning the one life mentality, I would assume that this is something you preach in your business prolifically. So what benefits have you and your employees seen from this? Like, uh, as opposed to like other companies that you've worked at before that didn't have this philosophy. You know, there's a Richard Branson quote that says your clients don't come first, your employees come first. And if you take care of your employees, they're going to take care of your clients. And I think what I wanted to go after was I was not looking for a punch in, punch out kind of mentality for my employees. I wanted them to have a sense of ownership, like, hey, we share in the wins, we share in the losses. But that starts with me actually realizing, like, I didn't hire widgets or AI robots. You know, these are people. They've got families. They've got their own stressors. They've got their own things. And so I think for me and, you know. Who, who knows? I'm, I may have swung the pendulum too far the other way, but I'm, I'm overly gracious when it comes to people because and, and their personal stuff. Like if somebody's like, hey, my, you know, my kid just called in sick. I got to go get him from school or, hey, you know, I've got X, Y, Z coming up for me. I'm just like, hey, you need the Friday off. Take the Friday. Get 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 four, get it done in four days. You know what I mean? And take the Friday. I'd rather have you all in and committed when you're with me then your, your allegiance is split and mentally you're checked out because you've got all these other stressors going on. And so for me, I think it came to recognizing that these are people and I care about them. I mean, I can I spend ha- almost as much time with them as my own family. So it's like, this is a second family to me. So I think I, I embrace the fact of like, you have your stuff. And if you keep it real with me and you're honest and forthright about what you have going on and you're honest and, and you'll commit to giving me your all when you're on, then when you need time off or when you need to scoot out a little bit early, like I, you're, you're an adult, you have your own stuff, I'll, I'll trust you to do that. But that takes honest, healthy communication. And so I think for me, knowing yourself helps you recognize how you're going to interact with other people. So if you know that you avoid those awkward things, then it's like, I have to press into that. Like if, I'm, if I avoid the tough conversations or if I feel somebody's abusing it and I know that I'm never going to approach them about it, now I'm starting to get 
you know, passive aggressive against them or I have resentment towards this person. And so, or if I know that I'm, you know, a bull in a China shop and I'm a high D on the disc and I'm going to come in and just waylay somebody, I know that I might need to tone it down with this person a little bit. So I think the way you know yourself helps you in communication and interacting with the other people. And, and I, I just meant check in early and often, you know, with, with your team. Um, don't let stuff fester to where the point where you're super agitated with them because it's not going to go well, you know, at that point. And I think, you know, the a rule of thumb is to be clear is to be kind. So I, if I'm not clear with what my expectations are, what I want from you, why am I getting upset when you didn't meet my super ambiguous, you know, <laughs> expectations that they weren't really sure of? So I think if to be clear is to be kind and to communicate early and often with your people helps. Again, now they're balanced and they're not they're not over abusing it. And they're also not, you know, feeling like, wow, this dude's, you know, <laughs> never giving me time off. Right. I'm afraid to ask for a request because he's going to bite my head off kind of thing. There always seems to be somebody else out there who's doing basically what you do, but better than what you do or better than how you do it. So I've always loved this philosophy of good artists create on their own or they borrow, but great artists steal. So who have you admired or who have you stolen business practices from and how did you put your own twist on it for your business yeah i think i mentioned dave ramsey who most people know is like a financial guru but he runs uh, an entrepreneurs and small business group which i, I highly recommend it's just a network to get into and i th i think his ability to feel like you don't have to be a chameleon meaning like oh this is what corporate america does so i'm just going to follow along suit it's like it's your business. You can give your own flavor and flair. You can have your own hiring uh, criteria, and and you know you can you can raise the bar. This is the cool thing about having your own business. You can be picky with the kind of clients you have, the people you work with. It's like you actually get to choose now, you know. Mm -hmm. And people do business with people they like. So um, you know, if you don't have a lot of clients, you know, maybe you should be more friendly. And if more people liked you, they would want to do business with you. So. Uh, I think I've stolen from him this ability to just be yourself. And that's that means that there's going to be some people that just totally don't like you, right? They don't mesh with you. You're not their flavor. And I'm like, I, I can't get all bent out of shape about that. It's like, all right, I'm going to go find somebody who I do click with or I do connect with that vice president or that HR person or this vendor. And it's like, I'm going to surround myself and I get to choose to do business. And so if you have a pain in the rear end client, it is okay to fire a client. And I think most people are like, oh, no, I'm a small business. Like, I could never do that. I'm like, no, if they're sucking so much emotional and mental space for you, let them go and go find two clients that you actually enjoy with and would want to go grab dinner with afterwards. And, like, that's the beauty of being being a business owner. So that's probably what I've still like. Be yourself. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to try to impersonate another way that people run business. It's like, you started the business. People work for you or you have clients because of you. I mean, when you're a small business, you are the business, right? You're the face of the company. So uh, I would just say, you know, work on your weaknesses and then play to your strengths. Okay. So we've already talked a little bit about how you achieve efficiency in the terms of, of block scheduling. Are there any other tips uh, that you feel like other entrepreneurs could use to, uh, to gather efficiency for their business? Ooh, man, there's a lot. So um, I, I, I probably build a lot based off uh, like a, a book called Strength Finders. It's one of the like umpteen zillion, uh, you know, kind of personality things that are out there. But the reason I like this one, I, it's even more of just the concept. And the concept is, is, you know, very quickly. It's funny, you're 
pretty much always trained to like work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. So like when you're in school, you're acing it in math and you're horrible in, you know, uh, whatever history. And so you end up taking summer school for history and you spend up spending twice as much time as what you're good at. And you end up kind of average at everything. And the right. point of this concept is like, Hey, you're probably never going to be a history buff. And so lean into what your strengths are and then find somebody. And I mentioned this earlier that can shore up your area of weaknesses and, mm-hmm. and find somebody who's really good at the things you're not and bring them on the team and give them a sense of ownership there. So I think the way I've built team is to try to, to first off self-realize, what am I really good at? What do I suck at? And the parts that I suck at, I can spend, you know, three times as long working there or find somebody who that's their sweet spot and their strength and try to bring them into the fold. I think that has been super helpful for me. And I'm telling you, man, that that idea of people do business with people they like, just don't be a jerk. Just don't be an a-hole. Just just go the extra mile uh, for your clients. Communicate well and be honest and just do what you say you're going to do. And, and, and honestly, that brings a lot of favor in business, especially now, if you're going out and trying to get new sales, people are trying to really do business with people they know and trust because it's everyone's scared with their pocketbooks right now, you know, companies, other, other vendors and things. And so, I mean, I do a lot of sales. So if you're going to go out and just cold call and door knock with people, they're super skeptical. And so it's easier to start with warm leads of people you have a history with and go get referrals there. Because why is that? Because they know you, you've made some deposits before you take a withdrawal. And so I think just being very genuine is goes a long way in business. And that sounds like so simple, but I'm like, you could just talk to someone. I'm like, man, I don't know what it is about you, but I wouldn't trust you with, you know, uh, at all with anything. And so I just feel like you're sleazy and no, I mean, the answer is no. And so I, I think if you're genuine and you're real business in favor starts to gravitate towards you. What do you like the best about what you do? I'll answer in two parts. What I like best about being a business owner is probably the ability to create a culture where people actually want to show up and work. You know what I mean? It does. Like I, I was, I'm passionate about investing into a place where people feel valued and they produce better and, and they like to work there and they have longevity. As far as what I do from recruiting, uh, I do look at what we do as the ability to change people's lives. There's nothing better than someone's calling and saying, man, you just got me a $15,000 raise and moved me back home, you know, where, where I'm from, or man, I've been trying to find a job and I keep getting turned down and you've done interview coaching with me and I just landed, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime. So to me, I feel like being able to work with companies who are stressed and can't fill this job. My favorite thing is when someone says, we've been trying to fill this for three months and, and now I guess we'll look to you. And we, and we usually come in and our, our average is 45 days. So I'm like, it, and not, it took you nine months and in 45 days, start to finish, we went and found the gem, the diamond in the rough you couldn't find. And meanwhile, the candidate's ecstatic because they got a raise and, and this and that. And, and so I think it's just fun to be able to be that kind of broker between employers and employees. Okay, so I've actually heard about this quite a bit. Why is finding the right candidate for your positions so important in your opinion? Well, first off in your business, if you look at it, your highest overhead cost is people. And so, you know, when I, even for myself, I look at, you look at the bottom line, you look at your numbers and you're like, oh, the most money I spend on uh, in any area of my business is people. It takes people to run my business. And so the wrong person in, in the wrong seat can be so detrimental, you know, not only to your internal, I mentioned culture. I mean, that phrase, one bad apple spoils the whole fruit salad really does happen. 
you could have an amazing company, an amazing company. Everybody's gelling well. You bring in one person and they could blow that thing up in, 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 in a couple months and the whole place is toxic, you know, and there's gossiping and background. So that's internally. Externally, there comes a point where you're not going to able to be able to have your hands in every everything. You know, as as the top of the food chain, you have to empower people and give some people a level of responsibility. And man, if I have the wrong person interacting with my clients or the wrong person on the other end of the phone or that video conference, my reputation and brand is is on the line. You know, they're not going to remember a couple, you know, a year down the road. Oh, that guy's name was George. He was a jerk. They remember, oh yeah, that guy that worked for Kalos. Yeah, he was an idiot. And so I think for me, it's like that the brand and name and reputation of what I built uh, is heavily relying on the people. And so I think people are a very important component. And it's exhausting interviewing someone and then realizing or in eight months doing it all over again because you, you made the wrong choice or a bad hire and you got to fire them and start yeah. all over again. Honestly, it's exhausting. <laughs> so I would say I'd rather get it right the first time, you know, and, and give an extra layer of vetting and interviews to make sure they're the right person, you know, before pulling the trigger too quickly and then banging my head against the wall, realizing I made a mistake, which I did a ton for my own company. So about that, actually, what is like the number one thing that you look out for to not hire somebody? Like what's like an attribute that they display that you go, nope, not gonna be a good fit. I used the word humble earlier. Another way to put it would be teachable because if I'm hiring somebody who, I mean, that's super set in their ways, they're not gonna mold to our philosophy. I'm, and everybody knows like I'm, I'm willing to put smart people in a room and hash it out, you know what I mean? And, and I'm willing to say, hey, that's a great idea. Let's run with that. But if, if the, the counterpart or that other person is not willing to be there and it's constantly their way or the highway and there's constantly friction, it's like, man, if you're working in a team, there's going to be friction. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. You're going to think you have a great idea and everyone in the room is going to be like, that's a dumb idea. And you're going to be like, oh, all right, great. Well, we're not going to move forward with that idea. But if, you, if you're, if you're going to hold on to that, and, and so I think for me, unless it's, a, unless it's an individual contributor solo role, that team member mentality and that ability to be teachable and humble is probably the biggest key attribute. Because uh, if, you, you know, if you're not going to learn and you're not going to be teachable, you're not going to grow. And this person's going to stay stunted there in five years. They're going to be in the exact same position they were in you know, with no growth. So. How do you stay up to date in your industry? If you're constantly hiring people for other companies, uh, like wh where do you find more and more people to pull from? Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll give this free piece of advice for people who aren't using a recruiter or paying for outsourcing someone to do their hiring. Like you have to go and hang out where the people that you're looking for are hanging out. So I'll give you a prime example. We've got like a large construction company and everybody's trying to use LinkedIn to find all these people. And I'm, and so in our meeting today, I'm like, Hey guys, guess what? These people are out in the field. They're superintendents, they're project managers. They're not playing on their LinkedIn profiles and computer every day. So stop going on LinkedIn and saying, we can't find any talent. I'm like, of course you can't because they're not on LinkedIn all day. No one's responding to my LinkedIn message. Well, of course, they're out in the field working. So that's just an example of whatever you're hiring, you have to go where they're at. So if they're in whatever sorts of groups they're a part of, join that network, get around the people you're looking for, and then start asking for referrals. Who do you know that is great at X, Y, and Z? Go to other business, say, hey, who have you come in contact with that's a great IT manager because I'm hiring an IT manager. And so to me, my... <laughs> 
I'm the biggest critic of job boards because I just feel like it's 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 everybody's way to try to do it quick and fast and automated, and you just end up with subpar standards. And no offense to people who get hired or look for people on job boards. I'm just saying that's not the only place, but it's the only place people go right now. If they're right. not on Indeed or ZipRecruiter or LinkedIn, then there's no talent out there, right? And so I think that's the big thing is like people exist beyond job boards and great talent is typically not scouring job boards all day long, you know, with their resume. Who is an ideal client for you? Uh, what's the first step that you would want them to take with, uh, for working with you? And uh, where can people go to learn more about your company? Awesome. Yes. Our website is Kalos Consulting, K-A-L-O-S, KalosConsulting.com. And you'll get uh, an idea and philosophy about uh, how we recruit. And I would say that the biggest thing for me is it's a partnership. We are big on wanting to tell your story. And no one knows what a troubadour is, but I dressed up as one in seventh grade for some like medieval times thing. So I've always, uh, troubadour is just a guy, the traveling storyteller. And so that's pretty much what our team does. We take your company, your philosophy, your motto. The first question I ask a new client is why would someone want to quit their job to come work for you? And they're like, well, what do you mean? Does And I'm like, well, no one just wants to come work for you because you have a laundry list of bullet points, five years experience in this, certified in this. No one gets like, wow, that sounds amazing. Let me go, let me go work there. No, they're, they're looking for the story. And so we dig out of a company, what is your story? What sets you apart? What makes you special? And then we're going to go tell that to as many people that have the background and criteria you're looking for until somebody bites. And so that's that's our approach. And so I would say you're an ideal for client with us if you want to partner that way. If you're going to shoot me a job description and say, send me 10 resumes, I'm going to say, go post your job on, on ZipRecruiter and, and, and good luck. I'm looking for someone who wants to dig in because you realize how important that position and fill is. And you've got a great story to tell and you want someone to go out there and tell it to people. Brandon, thank you so, so much for your time. This has been absolutely wonderful. For those of you at home, thanks for watching Funny Business. We'll come out next week with another episode. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. Go to harmanbrothersuniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.